Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello, listeners, and welcome to this episode of the Burden Command Podcast. I'm your host, Earl Breon, and my guest today is Vince Scott. Vince, thanks for joining us. Uh, great to be here today, Earl. Oh, so, well, I'm glad to have you here because I think we're going to have a conversation really unlike any other we've had so far, and I'm really excited to have it because I love to learn new things. Uh, because your focus really is, as my listeners heard in the pre-roll bio, you focus a lot on cybersecurity. And I know we're going to do a deep dive into that. Uh, but before we get on that topic, I want to start off. Uh, I want to start off by saying thank you for your service. Again, as my listeners heard, Vince is a Navy veteran. Uh, being a Marine, I have an affinity for Navy guys. So uh, thank you for your service. Thank you too, Earl. Uh, I think we all... Um appreciate the opportunity to serve our, our great country. Yep. I, I agree with that. And so again, with, with, uh, you know, kind of your background and what you do, I'm kind of curious to hear your answer to the question where I start everybody. When you hear the phrase burden of command, what does that mean to you? So I am very old school in this. Um, I went to boarding military naval high school. And then I went to the Naval Academy. Uh, and then I went to sea and ships. And so I, I, along that path, I think I absorbed a, a very traditional outlook of that burden of command. Uh, to me is, uh, first and foremost, uh, your responsibility as a commanding officer, 
uh, to the soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines under your command and their families. Um, you absolutely have a responsibility uh, to to take care of sailors in my Navy context, right? Um, that is is probably one of the most important things that a commanding officer does. And I only say one of the most important because uh, that has to be balanced or, or married up with the other burden of command, which is mission accomplishment. Uh, from a from a United States Navy perspective, uh, throughout my career, I looked on that as be prepared for prompt and sustained combat operations at sea. And so the the you know the mission of the United States military um, really is to be prepared to conduct combat operations when when combat needs to be conducted. And you know in my own career, I uh, uh, deployed eight times. I uh, you know did uh, on the ground. Uh, uh, operations or combat operations uh, in Bosnia, Iraq, and Afghanistan, and uh, uh, participated in the first Gulf War, uh, you know, real combat operations at sea. And so, you know, whenever you say burden of command, my my mind kind of goes into really a very focused military outlook on on what those words mean. Yeah, I know, and, and that's completely understandable. Now, I'm just kind of curious, though, uh, it, with your civilian experience, now that you, you've been out for a few years, it has has it changed any at all, or do you find that those those same things kind of hold up in the uh, civilian world? Yeah, I, I it is different. Um, I think, you know, the level of responsibility of command is, is so all-encompassing, and really from a civilian perspective, um, generally from a leadership outlook, we, we don't have that all-encompassing level of responsibility, I don't think, for the, you know, the lives and, and uh, safety and families of, of the people that we lead, like you might in military command, uh, which has this, you know, long history uh, ensconced in law and tradition and all of that. Uh, from a civilian perspective, though, I think uh, that how you take care of the people that you're leading uh, is one of the, the key concepts that absolutely translates over and uh, really enables uh, good leadership techniques and marries up very well with, you know, really what I hear from standard leadership practice and in industry about how you uh, develop relationships, how you work with people, how you um you know, lead in the civilian workplace, which is which is different, but not as different as some people think it is. Yeah, no, and I like that. And I like that you mentioned the the mission accomplishment piece. I've mentioned on here before, you know, obviously the Marines, we had the same thing. Mission accomplishment and troop welfare were kind of our primary missions, uh, you know, but I would imagine, especially, you know, doing what you did and, and being in the Navy and seeing the things that you've seen, you know, the same thing holds true where it wasn't necessarily those things were one and two. They were kind of like one and one A, uh, because if you didn't take care of your people, the mission didn't get accomplished. But if you took care of your people and didn't do the mission, well, what was the purpose, right? Um, uh, with one caveat, which is uh, the unfortunate truth at, at combat operations is that we do put soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines at risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, sometimes those risks come home, right? right? So as a, as a commanding officer, you know, you're responsible to, to make decisions 
uh, and conduct operations and, you know, order, you know, the patrol of the streets in Baghdad or whatever it is, uh, boarding of a ship in the northern Persian Gulf, um, that, that could potentially result in, um, combat casualties. And so, I, you know, in, in, from a Navy parlance perspective, when I was a junior officer, uh, you know, I used to hear on many occasions that safety is our number one priority. And I, I always thought that that wasn't true, uh, because this going to sea stuff is dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a carrier battle group still, uh, loses a sailor on average once every six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, due to, you know, and primarily those are lost on, on big deck carriers because guys get blown over the side, right? right? Or, or other accidents related to, uh, flight deck operations, which is, you know, one of the top, you know, one, two, three, uh, up, most dangerous job working environments in the world. Uh, very small space, very big engines, lots of opportunities for things to go wrong, right? Right. So, so really when we, when we get underway from a U.S. Navy perspective, um, you know, we, we are doing so in a risk managed perspective, but we understand, um, that, that we do have to get the mission done and, and assume those risks. And, and we do know, uh, that sometimes those risks are going to come home. Yes. Now, and again, I love that because my listeners heard me say this on here before, but, you know, you, you kind of uh, said the same thing here. You know, one of the first pieces of advice I got from a crusty old gunnery sergeant when I got out of the fleet, uh, he described Marine Corps leadership as you have to 100% absolutely be willing to send uh, your your troops into combat knowing that they could die, but you have to love them enough that the idea of doing so rips your heart out. Yes, great point. And I think I think love is a great word in in leadership and it's a word that we don't use in leadership very often. You don't hear that a lot. Um, and honestly, I think that's, um, really what it comes down to, um, is, is loving the people that work with you, um, and, uh, work for you, uh, work around you, uh, your teammates, your shipmates, uh, you know, your subordinates, your superiors, uh, because that level of caring comes through, you, you've got to genuinely care about what happens to them and their well-being and their livelihood and the future of their career and, you know, how, how are they going to succeed uh, over the, you know, the course of uh, their, their, their military life, right? Those, those sorts of things I think are just so important. Yeah, no, 100%. And I'll agree with you, too, that, that you know, it, it's always kind of funny when I work with civilian leaders and I start talking about military leadership and use the word love. And, and you know, they, they get really uncomfortable with that. And I'm like, look, that that's really the basis. I mean, you know, we have the saying, uh, uh, man hath no greater love than to lay his life down for his brother, right? Uh, yeah. And and it's it's interesting to get civilian leaders comfortable with the idea of, of love and le- love being part of leadership. Um, and I agree with you. It's a completely integral piece there. So, so thank you for uh, kind of expanding on that a little bit. I really like that there. Um, all right. So let's talk about cybersecurity here for a second, because uh, that's kind of your bread and butter right now. And, and you uh, have a fairly successful career uh, still doing things with the DOD and, and private sector organizations with cybersecurity. And I would imagine a lot of my listeners right now are probably thinking, well, look, 
I've got Norton antivirus. I've got Kaspersky installed. I've got, you know, whatever windows or my uh, internet service provider offers my, my cybersecurity needs are, are met, but cybersecurity really is a lot more than just antivirus software, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely <laughs> true. Nice, nice cue up Earl. Um, so, so my feeling on, on cybersecurity is that cybersecurity is really uh, primarily uh, a people issue. Uh, it is not, as much a technology issue. And we really think about cybersecurity as a technology issue. Uh, I am a huge believer in uh, special operating forces, truth number one. So if anybody who understands special forces history, right, they, they the original Army Green Berets who came out with and, and developed special forces really uh, had their, their four truths about uh, why why special forces and special forces truth number one was people are more important than hardware. Um, I absolutely believe that is true in this space. Um, if you have a, uh, cybersecurity problem, uh, really this is not about the next technology. It's not about the next cool buzzword. You know, it's not about a vendor who comes in and says AI, ML, uh, quantum, you know, uh, whatever, uh, you know, big data. There's another one. Hey, how many buzzwords can I get in a sentence, right? <laughs> That'll solve your problem. Uh, no, really, it's, it's, it's about your people. And I would, I would any day of the week take, you know, a, a team of, you know, let's say I've got a cybersecurity team of three or four guys. Uh, do I get to pick the best guys in the world or gals? And, uh, I get to, uh, or I could have the best uh, hardware in the world. Money is no object. Uh, hardware, software. I take the people every time. Uh, you know, and from a soft perspective, we might end up stealing the hardware and and downloading all the software. But the good people, well, in a very military uh, acquisition by other means sort of sense, which which maybe in your own Marine Corps career you might have run across that occasionally. But uh, I certainly have in my naval career. Uh, run across opportunities for, for acquisitions via alternative means, but, uh, all for the greater good, right? right. All to get the mission done. Exactly. The, uh, but, but, you know, those really good cybersecurity, uh, uh, gals and guys will make it be what makes the difference. There's some tremendously capable open source software out there. There are tremendous capabilities. If you can't, those really good people will, will write you a piece of code. Uh, that you need to do a thing. <clears throat> um, we, I remember in, uh, one of my, uh, different civilian positions, you know, coming to work at a new organization where, uh, one of my colleagues, uh, who we, we still call him the big brain, uh, we had a problem, you know, he went out and wrote a program to help us solve that problem. And, <clears throat> We used that little Python program for the rest of my time there to, and then he made it better over time and we did some stuff and it was, it was actually a core piece of work and we, you know, he wrote it in two hours, one afternoon. Uh, that sort of capability, uh, you can't buy that with a machine. You can't get that in AI. Uh, you can only get that by, by really good, well-trained, capable, motivated uh, people who you're helping to succeed. 
Yeah, no, I, I like that because, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, that, that truth number two is, uh, quality is better than quantity. And, um, you know, that's one thing that, that I've, you know, again, very limited when it comes to cybersecurity, but, uh, you know, I, I've seen some of the best precautions, uh, kind of just completely overrun by somebody who doesn't know better than to not click an attachment from a weird looking email or something like that. Right. So I think that's kind of what you're talking about here is if, if your people don't have, aren't trained well enough in cybersecurity practices, they don't know, you know, what phishing and spear phishing and all of those things are. It doesn't matter what you or anybody else installs. You still have vulnerabilities from the inside, right? Yeah, there's, there's certainly, um, a, I think the phishing example is a great one. I, 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 I do believe there's a limit on, on what you can get from a generalized training perspective in that particular regard, right? So, um, there, there may be some more needs for some more technical controls in that regard. <clears throat> I ran, um, a phishing training, um, uh, regimen at a, uh, at a Fortune 50. And we, we did really, the initial click rate on fake phishing emails was around 60%. And eventually we drove that down into the sub 5% realm, but we really struggled to get it below that. Um, now could we probably, but you know, from a bad guy's perspective, from the offense perspective, if I send a hundred emails and I only get one click, that's still a win for me. Right. Right. Um, so, so that's an important place for, uh, defense in depth, right? You want it going from 60% click rate to a 5% click rate is well worthwhile, right? So that training and preparation and the work that we did to do that was, was good. You know, 5% way better than 60%. But, uh, then you have to layer in other opportunities. You have to realize the, you know, in some cases, the limits of, uh, what, uh, people are going to be del- able to deliver to you on a on a daily basis, and then look for ways to uh, reinforce that, prop that up. Uh, you know, maybe you do find a technology that that you throw at that, uh, but I think you do that in a very considered way, so that uh, you're not uh, just chasing the latest cybersecurity tool and. Uh, connecting that to your network and thinking it's doing good stuff for you. Yeah. No, I, I, again, and, and what I like there is, is especially that last piece, because I think that's what some folks get lulled into because, you know, cybersecurity really, you know, from my perspective, not being a professional, maybe you can correct me here if I'm wrong, but this is just kind of the, the next evolution of, uh, of the, the cycle we've been locked into all through history. Right. So, you know, when when the primary weapon was arrows, people f- figured out that silk armor could, uh, you know, help stop arrows. When we switched to, you know, kind of low-end musket balls and, and getting closer with swords, we moved to, to steel armor. And then, you know, so on and so forth. We just had this evolution of of weaponry versus defense, offense versus defense. And they keep feeding off each other. And cybersecurity really seems to me, on the outside looking in, like just the next evolution of that, right? Hackers are doing their thing, improving their offensive capabilities. So cybersecurity experts like you are doing your thing, improving defensive capabilities. And it's just an endless cycle, right? Um, 
I, I definitely think there's a, a cyclic aspect to it. Um, in the case of cyber right now, one of the analogies I use, though, is that in general, uh, we have the Bill Belichick Patriot offense playing against uh, college club sport defenses. And, uh, man, they're scoring a lot of points, not surprisingly. Um, so defense as an art, um, as a capability lags enormously behind offense at, at this time. Uh, and it's a, it's a fundamental understanding, uh, that I, I think, you know, from a policy perspective and otherwise a, a lot of time is, is lost. Um, the, the, the foundations of the internet are free and open communication. Um, the, the outlook on the internet is often free and open communications. And there's some real advantages to that and some tremendous synergies and capabilities and things that have, the great things that have come of it. That the downside is that we do currently have, um, way more capable offense than defense. And so sort of back to your antivirus uh, example that you used previously. Um, well, many people, many companies, right? Many mid-sized companies, many small companies uh, are in the, sort of the boat where I say, hey, I've got antivirus and a firewall. I must be good, right? Show me where I've ever been hacked. Um, it's another, uh, I've had a Fortune 100 company ask me that question. Uh, an engineer from, from one of those companies and in my consulting role and say, Hey, show me where I've ever been hacked. So I, I said, well, give me access to your proxy logs in a Friday afternoon and said, Hey, how about this? You know, a uh, half dozen times this week. And they were really unhappy with me. Um, so, <laughs> um, you know, that was not the answer that they were looking for. Uh, I, I think that, you know, part of when we talk about cyber, uh, and we talk about cyber from a defense industrial base perspective or, uh, you know, corporate perspective. Uh, detection is a key capability that is way underserved in the, de- uh, in the defense, uh, and the defensive side of the ball. You, you cannot react to being hacked if you do not know that you have been hacked. Mm. And, you know, ransomware is kind of my friend as a cybersecurity guy because there's no problem detecting ransomware. It's right up there in your face. Uh, they, they, you are definitely going to notice. But the, the much more dangerous to companies, I think, um, it, because it has a potentially much more severe impact is the, the hack that they don't want you to know about. I've actually seen cases where hackers patched systems to make sure other hackers couldn't get on it with the exploit that they used. <laughs> I've seen that happen. That's, okay. That's interesting. That's right? interesting. Yeah. So, so the, and you know, let's relate this to, to solar winds. I actually blogged a little bit on this and, and there's a lot of, a lot of uh, churn in the community about the solar winds hack for anybody who isn't familiar. Maybe, you know, you're not a cybersecurity person, but solar winds was the company that does, IT management software and was employed broadly by the Fortune 500 and federal government services. And what happened was uh, their software updates were hacked so that when they delivered a, a valid 
authorized, encrypted, proper software update to a client, it actually held uh, contained a backdoor uh, that allowed a foreign intelligence service then access to that network. Mm. And this went on for uh, nine months or more before it was detected, right? Mm-hmm. So broad hacking of our federal government, uh, including Department of Treasury and others. And they were only caught when they tried to hack the number one cyber detection company in the world, in my personal view, uh, FireEye, Mandiant company. Mandiant was the original company. Uh, Kevin Mandiant is a you know former Air Force OSI agent, started his own company, has done really, really well. Uh, but I, I consider them to be probably the leader, leading cyber defense company in the world. Uh, they detected this. Because they detected this, it's been stopped and we now know it exists. We had a, you know, there are all these things that have happened for that, but nobody else did. Our federal government didn't. Mm-hmm. So, so the question we should be asking ourselves isn't how this happened. Go back to Tom Brady offense playing against college club sport defenses. Hacks are going to happen. They're going to put points on the board. They're yeah. going to get to the end zone. But if you don't even know that they got there, <laughs> and this is sort of like, the more time I spend in the end zone with the ball, the more points I score. Yeah. That's a real problem. So, <laughs> so de- <laughs> wow. detection is key. And I think we need to, we need to be paying more attention to how do I know when I've been hacked and what do I do about it? Uh, and, and this is, this is really challenging for, um, corporations and government agencies and, and really everybody. Uh, because of another thing that I talk about as perhaps the number one problem in cybersecurity, which is, again, not technical. It's what I call the truth you don't want to know. No executive wants to know that they've been hacked. Mm-hmm. No IT director wants to know that they've been hacked. No CIO wants to know that they've been hacked. So the, the tendency then is to... Um, to not pay attention, to not emphasize things that do detection, to not feed your detection engines. Uh, because really, in my heart of hearts, I really don't want to know because it's a massive pain in the rear when I find out that, you know, there's, there's an incident and all good cyber incidents happen between about 2.30 and 4.30 on Friday afternoons. I mean, that's like the sweet spot. Yeah. Right there. If there's going to be an incident declared, it's going to be right there because somebody noticed something earlier in the week and they've decided they can't let it go till next week. So they finally turn around to their IT or security guys and say, hey, you know, I noticed this and it was I didn't think that was right. Could you take a look at it? And then the cybersecurity guys get to spend the weekend cleaning this up. Right. Instead of being told on Tuesday. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and they love that a bit. Oh, yeah, no, but it really, it's a pattern that, that really plays out, and it really is that thing because nobody wants to, but I can't let it go to next week. And so Friday afternoon comes along, and they go, yeah, I got to make that call. And uh, then you find out you've got a problem, and it's Friday afternoon. So mm. um, anyway. Yeah, well, no, I, I like that detection piece, but, you know, let me ask you this because, again, 
uh, very, very basic understanding of this stuff here, but is this something that your, your average employee can, is there anything that they can do to be a little bit more diligent? And if they, they notice something computer running a little slower or something like that, that they need to report, or is this something that you have to have kind of an IT background to even realize has happened? I think there are things employees can do. There are times when really this is, this happens at a technical level that, you know, I wouldn't expect employees to, to really, you know, your general employee to notice this. Um, you mentioned phishing already. Uh, the number one way, uh, that attackers get into companies is still phishing. And why is that? Because it still works. Yeah. Um, and if it's stupid and it works, it's not stupid. <laughs> so the, the, you know, and it's not, you know, Nigerian princes, please send money anymore. Some of these are very sophisticated. I, I've actually on the, that same thing. I've actually seen an email, um, that, you know, was a phishing email. It was actually, uh, invoice fraud rather than a click the link one. But that email was absolute from apparently from this person's boss to them that said, Hey, please make this payment. Right. Mm -hmm. Their only thing that was off in that email was one letter in the address line. It appeared the name, first name, last name at uh, two letter fortune50.com. One of those two letters was wrong. Mm. It had the supervisor signature block. It had um, the right phrase. I mean, it was good English. It was it was perfect. There was it was indistinguishable. And there and in that case, there was a move to take uh, you know action against that employee because she really did violate policy by by doing what she thought her boss told her to do. Uh, and you know, it was sort of like you fell for the scam and they were going to, um, hold her accountable for that. And I, I advocated and I said, come on guys, would you have noticed this if your boss sent you this email and you're a junior person in the accounting world? Right. Really? Um, don't be unfair. So some of those, uh, phishing scams can be very, uh, uh, sophisticated, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Depending. But I, I would say a big thing that, that employees can do. Report it. Report phishing when you get it. Don't just delete it. Um, most companies today uh, have got a phishing at company.com or something similar. Uh, some really sophisticated companies, there's technologies out there. You can put a button in your Outlook and you just push the button and it automatically reports it. Mm -hmm. uh, report it. <clears throat> Don't just delete it. You noticed it. Report it. Uh, if you have questions about it and you go, uh, this one's on the edge. Ask your security guy. Send it to him and say, hey, what do you think about this? Um, security guys probably have some technical skills that they can look at that and uh, tell you yay or nay uh, about that email, about whether or not it's, hey, no, really, it's just a, an annoying sales mail. It's not really phishing. <laughs> it's still <laughs> yeah. annoying, but it's not phishing, right? Yeah. Uh, or, no, this looks really legitimate, but really it's not legitimate. Uh, because one of the things that does is allows your defenders to do is uh, know if there's a pattern, right? Am I getting uh, 200 of these all of a sudden across my entire company? There's somebody's really mounting a campaign against me, and I should send an all-hands email out that says, hey, watch out for this one, and if you click the link, please call. 
or is it a one-off, right? Um, and it also then also builds a sort of a pattern of life on, on how that is working at the company, what sort of things are getting through, how do I tune my filters to try and filter more of that out, that kind of stuff. So I think that's something that really, um, you know, frontline employees can do is uh, report phishing is a big one. Yeah, no, I, I exactly always, you know, that kind of you see something, say something. I like that approach there. But, you know, it's kind of chuckling as you were talking about that, uh, that example there about the kind of the fake email, which is one letter uh, or one or two letters off because uh, uh, my wife and I are big fans of the, the new Magnum PI reboot. And as crazy as it is, they, they literally just had that, that as one of their kind of backdrops for an episode or two back where um, one of the people was getting scammed by an, an insurance fraud and they were trying to catch the guy in the act. Uh, you know, he had the brace on and a whole nine yards and uh, their kind of little uh, criminal buddy. He's like, Oh, I got this. And he did exactly what you said. He's like, here, give me your credit card. He's like, you know, $15. I got to register this domain. And it was, Yep. Whatever the guy's law firm was, except instead of, you know, and I'm sure they're a little bit more sophisticated. One letter different. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't even, you know, in this one, he changed, he did the classic, you know, I changed the L to a one. And, you know, sure enough, he sends an email from them and says, hey, they've decided to settle your checks in the mail. And you see the guy and check his email and like he gets all happy and takes his, you know, takes his neck brace off and all that. And they catch him with a... But yeah, I mean, $15 and it took like 15 minutes or so. It's like a Geico commercial, I guess. And, uh, but it, it's, it's really that easy. Uh, yes. Now <laughs> some companies, uh, have gotten smart on this. Uh, that, that occurred a number of years ago. So that, uh, that big company has now decided, Hey, I'm going to go up and buy up these easy, you know, the fifth for $15 a year, I'll buy a bunch of variations off my, domain to prevent that from happening again. Yeah. So you, you do see that on larger organizations now where they'll, they'll buy a number of variations on their domain name in order to protect against that. Um, but uh, yeah, still for a lot of small and medium sized companies, it, it can be that easy. Hmm. Well, and, and so, okay. So you, you mentioned kind of small and medium sized companies. Like uh, is, is this something that like your kind of average mom and pop shop needs to worry about? Uh, sure. How about your average real estate agent? Right. Um, so I, uh, my wife was a real estate agent for, for a number of years now. Uh, got involved in some of uh, some things that went along in that. Uh, we uh, certainly saw in uh, Cincinnati where we were living at the time, uh, individual real estate agents who were targeted. And uh, they, the attack was... I see I've hacked your computer. I'm reading your email and your client's email. Uh, when I've sent you instructions on where to deposit the, the down payment on your new house, uh, I then follow that up with an email from a lookalike domain and say, oh, by the way, I made a mistake in the number. Here's the new number. Mm. And then they deposit that. That two days later they go to the closing and they say, well, you haven't made your deposit yet. Yes, we did. No, we didn't. Yes, we did. <laughs> right. And, and then, uh, come to find out, uh, they made it 
to the wrong place. Oh, really? That's a bank in Ukraine, and that money was transferred to Nigeria, uh, and we don't know where it went from there, but it's not there anymore. Mm. So, I, I, I mean, that's the kind of thing that just absolutely drives me nuts. You know, you have young family buying their first house, got together money for a down payment, and now their down payment is gone. Uh, I really, really dislike those people who did that. All right, listeners, quick interruption here. After this next question, uh, you're going to hear a rather decent drop-off in Vince's voice quality. At this point in the interview, uh, Vince's microphone died. Not 100% sure what happened. I believe he's got it back up and running now. Uh, but in the interest of time and, and his schedule and my schedule, uh, we continue the interview with his computer microphone. Uh, so you are going to notice a drop off in quality here, uh, but the content is still really good. I've cleaned it up as best as I can with my skill set. Uh, it still sounds fairly decent, but it is a drop off. So I just wanted you to be warned. You're getting ready to hear a drop off. All right. Back to the interview. Well, you know, that's good information because, you know, I've got a lot of folks here who are in uh, who are entrepreneurs, they're veteran entrepreneurs, they're starting up their first business. Some of them have rose to the ranks of, of C-suites in their own businesses. Um, and so, you know, these stories that you've shared up to this point should drive point to home that cybersecurity is something that we should all take serious. And if we're not, hopefully you've got people off the schneid and, and they really want uh, to start taking it serious at this point. Um, to that point, is there anything that you've come across, like in all of your experiences, like is there this the one thing that that most can do right now that they're probably not doing to to get started to enhance their cybersecurity? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question, Earl. I I think the number one thing you can do is two factor authentication. So this is, uh, and there's a number of great apps on your phone. Google Mail has enabled two-factor on it. Uh, most bank accounts uh, have, at least have the option, and many of them are requiring it now. So I think on a, on a personal, and particularly a small business level, uh, making sure that uh, you, you are using two-factor uh, wherever it's um, <clears throat> available to you is a really good move. Mm. No, I like that. And like you said, it's, uh, with some of the apps and stuff that are out there, that is, that's a good place to start. I never even really thought about uh, it being that, that simple because, you know, it's something I've been using for a while. So, Yeah, so I was going to say, and, and I would also, so the, my next thing for a larger business, right? And I'm sure some of your podcast listeners are more established businesses that, that maybe have an IT department or whatever. And back to our, our detection conversation, you know, if you're the, the CEO of a, a medium or, or maybe breaking into large business, and I think there's, there's two questions that you should ask uh, and want to see good answers to from your, from your IT and your security department. Uh, the first question is, how many times have I been hacked in the last year? And if your IT and cybersecurity department says none or I don't know, that's the wrong answer. 
Uh, only by understanding when you've been hacked can you effectively deal with them. And if you have no visibility, back to the show me where I've been ever been hacked by a pretty large company. If that's that's the answer, uh, then then you have the wrong attitude. Uh, and back to our fundamental principle of you know the Patriot offense versus college club sport defenses. Uh, so you're telling me my defense is so good that no, that you know that Brady's not scoring any points. Uh, I don't think so. So I, I, I think, you know, as you scale up from a business perspective, ask that question. How many times have I been hacked in the last year? And if that answer is zero, wrong answer. The next question to ask after, if it's some non-zero number, tell me what you did about it. Uh, I, you know, I want to see. I want to know. I want to, how do we close the door? So another Another aspect of this that is, uh, you know, particularly challenging is knowing that you have a problem, ah, man, but but it hasn't turned the lights out on email yet, so, you know, we're going to ignore it, and I've got other things to work on, and blah, blah, blah. That that is uh, surprisingly a problem, too, where you as an organization or a business can have hidden risk because you knew this was a problem, you identified this as a problem. Your last pen test told you this was a problem, and you still, you know, the barn door is open, and you still haven't closed it. Mm. No, I like that last piece because I think that kind of ties our conversation back around in a nice circle there. Because you know, this comes back to something you know, I've heard you mention in a couple of your other interviews, uh, and you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier in this one. Uh, cybersecurity really is a, a leadership issue at the end of the day, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is uh, this is the landscape I think where increasingly uh, businesses have the most inherent risk. Uh, it is it is a huge attack surface. Uh, imagine the internet as as living in a really bad neighborhood because you're only one IP address away, um, you know, from organized crime. Uh, bosses and their their syndicate of cyber hackers and that that really exists. This isn't a Tom Clancy novel. Uh, cyber hacking is a business. It is an organized crime business. Uh, back to the the you know the real estate agents in Cincinnati is a is a microcosm example of how how deep they're getting in the stack of of businesses in the United States. Uh, organized crime is running this like a business. Uh, they've got money mules, they've got mechanisms for hacking, they've got their ransomware team, they've got their steel deposits team, they've got invoice fraud teams. They they are running this as a business. And heck, I think it was four years ago now that the FBI estimated that organized crime at that point was taking more money out of the U.S. economy from drug uh, from cyber crime than from drug running. Uh, and I think that the gap between the two only continues to rise. So organized crime is on this in a big way. And, you know, for small and medium-sized businesses, even if you go, I'm a soap and diaper company, who would hack me? Uh, Maybe you want to rethink that because uh, everybody wants a slice of that next payroll, right? Hey, if I can walk away with $300,000 for, you know, a month's worth of work, great. Awesome! I'm I'm making money all day long. That's that's a and and I'm not paying any taxes on it. And you know I, this is uh, a real business out there. So you have to think about it that way. You know, and that's I think that's important. And it's one thing we we didn't really touch on yet. 
Uh, but you know, again, kind of tying in leadership and, and talk about self-leadership for a second. Uh, I would imagine just kind of like on the personal level, uh, cybersecurity is something we really need to take, uh, into account at a personal level now that everything more and more is tied to, uh, tied to the palm of our hand and our smartphones, right? Absolutely. Well, we have, we have digitally enabled uh, all aspects of our lives in many ways. There, there are some aspects that aren't, but I, I would invite every business owner, you know, that listens to your podcast to think about what business processes they have today that are truly only manual. So if you want to change a business process, you want to have an impact on how your, your company is operating, cyber, IT, digital is going to be core to making whatever that change is. Uh, and defending that digital space, which exists in really bad neighborhoods because we're all just one block away from everybody, right, in, in the way the internet works, is, is really a key leadership issue uh, to, to realize the risk and, and then realize that the risk is there, but this isn't just a technology thing that I throw a piece of, of hardware or software at and then I feel pretty good that, that we, we have that. Uh, we've got cyber under control because, you know, I invested in cyber for the last three years and that's over now. Not the way this works. Uh, this is really about the people that you have behind those cyber tools uh, that are helping to defend you. Uh, and if you don't think of it through as a leadership people issue, uh, you're you're probably missing some some big swaths of your risk. Yeah, no, that was uh, that was good. That was a really good piece there. Well, Vince, look, this has been a fantastic conversation. I can't believe we're you know closing in on about forty five minutes or so here. Uh, but with that said, before we you know work to close things out here, is there anything that we didn't get a chance to cover through the course of the conversation that you really want to leave? Uh, leave the audience with? No, I think we, we hit the highlights that, um, you know, it's a people issue. It's a leadership issue. Um, that offense is way ahead of defense. There are things you can do, even if you're if for yourself, right, um, that you can do to help mitigate your risk. And as you scale up organizationally, uh, this definitely needs to be something that you think about as a people problem, not just a technology problem. Mm, love it. All right. So listeners, I know you're asking yourself this question here right now, cause I can just hear it mulling around in your heads. I'm convinced I need to pay attention to my cybersecurity. Vince has got me. I want to contact defense cybersecurity group or, or something similar like that. So I can get my organization, uh, back on track and, and find out how many times I've been hacked and answer all these questions that Vince told me I need to find answers for. So Vince, how can he find out more about you, uh, get in contact with you, ask you any questions, any of that sort of stuff? Yeah, so uh, my company is Defense Cybersecurity Group. Uh, it's at www.cybersecgru.com, www.cybersecgru.com. And uh, I've got a contact me uh, link on there, or you can email me directly at vincent.scott at cybersecgru.com. And I'm happy to talk to you 
uh, about your problems, your challenges, your company, uh, particularly veterans and veteran services available, veterans-owned small businesses, veterans-owned businesses, uh, please feel free to reach out and ask me. I am, I am currently uh, laser-focused on the Department of Defense's new cybersecurity uh, maturity model certification, which is going to be the, it's the new uh, uh, compliance requirement, compliance framework that the DOD is saying all their contractors must meet, down to the ultimate subcontractor. Uh, a lot of churn in the space on that. Uh, I absolutely want to help companies uh, have compliance security, uh, but also real security. I am passionate about uh, helping defend uh, the companies that we have in this country. Uh, they are the lifeblood of America. And uh, to the extent that uh, you know you reach out to me and I can help you uh, solve some problem, uh, please uh, send me a note, reach out, and uh, we'll see what we can do. Vince, I love it. Well, thank you very much for spending uh, the time with myself and my listeners. And I love what you're doing. Just keep it up. And, and just, again, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Earl. And thanks for a great podcast. Great to be here. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. And listeners, thank you for tuning in. Um, I really appreciate you all uh, doing everything you do to support this show. You know, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns for me, burden.command at gmail.com. Where there's a story you want me to uh, dive into, a guest you want me to interview, or just comments you want to share, burden.command at gmail.com. Uh, again, thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sending this show out far and wide. Uh, so those algorithms kick in and we get more visibility for great guests like, uh, vent so he can spread his cybersecurity message, uh, around the world. So thank you for taking that responsibility very seriously. Um, thank you all for spending the time with Vince, uh, this afternoon. Hopefully you are taking your cybersecurity a little bit more serious after listening to this podcast. And if not, or you need pointers, you've got Vince's info now. Reach out and, and uh, see what he has to offer for you there. With that, thank you again for your time, and I look forward to speaking with you again in the next episode. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Ravelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electric Acid. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.